Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Before we get to this week's episode with Tyler Kelly of the SLAM Agency, I'd like to thank my two sponsors. First, Synchrony HR and NWO IT Services. And now to this week's episode with Tyler Kelly of the SLAM Agency. Tyler, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you joining me this morning. Thanks for having me, Brian. Absolutely. Well, we actually uh, have not physically met in person before, but uh, in a roundabout way, know some mutual people in the EO world. Uh, saw that you made a, a comment uh, on one of our past guests uh, episode. And I was like, you know what? You'd be a great fit to have on as well. So I'm excited to really have you on today and to share your story with our audience here in St. Louis. So let's kind of kick it off there. Talk to us about growing up and what led you to starting Slam Agency. Definitely, definitely. And first, just uh, thanks again for having me on the show. Uh, looking forward to uh, becoming, you know, one of your best guests. Let's work <laughs> on that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I I grew up in North County, and I don't want to take you all the way back to North County. But what I will do is tell you, like when I first discovered that I was an entrepreneur, right? Uh, we're probably going to talk a lot about entrepreneurship today. Yeah, uh, I was in college. I was on the five year plan over at Central Missouri University, and um, I was the fraternity DJ, and my girlfriend, who's now my wife. Uh, at the time, I, I said, you know, I think we can start a business out of uh, just going and like playing music. And this was during the, you know, the LimeWire, Napster era. So we had every song you could think of. Sure. And um, what we didn't have is equipment. So I was like, okay, I've got a couple grand left on on my college student credit card. Let's <laughs> go ahead and just blow that, max it out, buy all the equipment we're going to need. And we did that. And then I called the Yellow Pages. I had saved a couple hundred dollars and they told me that an ad, one that would be big enough for somebody to see was a thousand dollars. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't save a thousand dollars, number one. And number two, it just didn't feel right. And so what I did, this was 19, late 1998. I decided to do some research on Google, which had just come out. You know, at the time everyone was using Netscape and all that stuff. And then we started to push towards Google they came out in 98. And so I did some research on how to build a well website, how to um, do search engine optimization. Once I had that website built, it was like, how do, how do I, you know, how do I get people to find me? And so I learned about SEO and it was perfect timing because that business launched in 99, ended up graduating uh, a few, a couple years later. 
And we did really well just being present, being accessible on the internet. And so as soon as I graduated, I continued down that path. I built some some websites that would make local vendors a little bit more accessible to people that were searching for what they needed, uh, did this for other companies. And eventually, uh, after um, after having several failures in entrepreneurship, which maybe we can get into, <laughs> I decided to start an agency and uh, haven't looked back since. It's been it's been one of the best decisions I've made. But I will say I, ha- I had a friend who wrote a book called The 10-Year Overnight Success. And it definitely, you know, some people may not have seen me for a while and they're like, wow, you know, Tyler's just blowing up. It took at least 10 years of failures to get to this point. So um, maybe we can talk about a few of those. But yeah, that's my that's my growing up story, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you sharing that that background. Uh, What's interesting about that is and if people are listening to the show, I mean, we talk about that all the time on this podcast is. You know, you'll see a CEO or a founder of an organization. You're like, wow, they're super successful. I should do that. And then you, but, you, but what you don't see is all the blood, all the sweat, all the tears, all the grinding and all the work that went in to get to there. We actually talked about that with Gary Wood, uh, who I know, you know, just, mm-hmm. uh, I guess it was last month that we had him on and the amount of time that Gary was driving back and forth from, you know, where he, uh, I think he was in Potosi, Missouri or somewhere, uh, you know, South and. Uh, all the all the work that he went into it, and to your point, yeah, obviously, you know, you didn't just get to where you are today. There was a lot of work that went into that. So let's do two things. Why don't you kind of talk to us about really that ten years that it you know uh, that it took to to be successful in the agency that you're in, and then let's dive deeper into the agency and exactly what you guys do as uh, as an agency here in St. Louis. Totally. Well, I'll tell you my uh, my failure story. So I um, got really good at digital marketing. And, and really just what I was doing digital marketing for as many companies as I could. And I had a buddy that said, hey, Tyler, we're ma- I know you're doing good in digital marketing. And I was doing business with his business um, that he was in. And he said, Tyler, we're making a lot of money in mortgages. I want You should come here now. It's like a gold rush. And so I did that. That was in 2004, 2005. And I made a ton of money in mortgages and so much so that as an entrepreneur, I, so I have an entrepreneurial mind, right? And which means that it's very difficult for me to work for somebody. It's, it's, it's almost impossible because every time I, you know, I clock in, I'm constantly thinking about, okay, how can I do this on my own? How can I jump out there and not have to, you know, be here at this time sure. as an entrepreneur for me, time is my most valuable asset. And so started thinking that way. And I started my own mortgage company and it went great for about six months. And then 2008, 2009. And so uh, my wife and I, we lost over the course of about two and a half years. We we gained a lot of really valuable life lessons and business lessons, but in doing so, we lost pretty much all of our savings, all of our property over time and um, lost the business. And so had to kind of really start from square one and learn how to live on cash and uh, learn how to, you know, rebuild credit and then just learn how to take that experience and apply it to business later on, which I think has been invaluable uh, with all the you know ups and downs and uncertainties that that we're faced with, you know, particularly right now. So um, that's that's how we got here. Yeah. Um, Slam agency. Like I said, I've been doing digital marketing since '99, and really, uh, when you first start off as um, in your own business, like you're trying to just pay bills, right? So you're trying to do anything and everything that you can to make money. 
But over time, as you mature and your business becomes a little bit, you know, more reliable, then you're able to really focus in on what it is that you do best. And that's kind of where I think we are now at Slam. And really those three things are uh, the umbrella is like turnkey marketing solutions, but very specifically content at scale. I mean, businesses really need to be a part of their stories online and they, you know, you can't just be reactive. You have to be very proactive in the story that you're telling or the messaging or the way that you're positioning your business. And so we help businesses do that at scale, which means all the places where their customers are, we will create customized content for all of those places in order to, for that business to be a part of that customer story. Um, content at scale. Right now, over the last few years, getting companies from manual processes to digital processes has been what we call in the business digital transformation. So that's one of the areas that we focus in on. But right now I'm really, you know, uh, really just fully focused on AI. And so as part of this digital transformation wing of SLAM, and so we are, I've been heads down for about six months, just learning all that I can about AI, applying it to our business. And now I'm ready to roll it out and really just do, you know, like a digital or AI transformation that allows us to go in, take a look at where companies can really just save manpower, you know, resources because they're automating things. And so um, we're doing that. And then another area I'm really excited about is executive branding. And so if you've seen me on LinkedIn, we have some pretty cool ways to actually get in front of people that we're not connected with and to do that for CEOs and business owners who just don't have the time to be, you know, messing with posting and commenting and doing all these things. So that's, that's a really good uh, product that we offer as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you, let's, go back a little bit. So you started the mortgage company. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm, I, you know, I, I don't know a ton about you, but I got to assume from what I do know about you that, um, you've read the book, good to great. Uh, mm-hmm. if, um, and so my question would be is, was the mortgage company that you started, was that just because you could see the money you made in it or was there, I mean, cause it doesn't, doesn't really tie into the slam agency if you see what I'm saying. And so totally, you, totally. Yeah. You, well, you, you know, you mentioned that life lesson that you obviously learned there. And I think we all have obviously had, you know, bumps in the road and life lessons that we've had to learn. And I always tell people, I don't regret any of those because it's taught me what I have, you know, what I know today. And it's, to your point, you've taught, learned a valuable lesson that you can apply in many different facets. Um, but what was the reasoning for starting the mortgage thing? And uh, were you utilizing the marketing side of it to kind of help propel the mortgage side or kind of how are the two tied together? Yeah, totally. So uh, without naming the name of the company that we did digital marketing for, uh, I was doing digital marketing in the early 2000s for a large mortgage bank here in St. Louis. Gotcha. Okay. And that was going so well that I was like, you know, I could do this on my own. So I see. I, um, so that's how the two tied together. Exactly. Yeah. And it was like, okay, there's a lot of money here. There's a lot of money coming off the top. I think that if we brought this in, we could do it. And so we became a broker, right? So we, me and a few friends decided to open a brokerage and we did that and we were doing well until, as you know, everything came crashing down. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, that kind of leads me to my next question, you know, with really the slam agency, you know, you've, you've been doing that a while. Um, obviously the mortgage piece was obviously a challenge as you guys had to come and overcome, but uh, talk to me more about, you know, the agency itself and how over time things have changed and to your, you know, just mentioned AI and 
uh, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm about a, as smart as a fly when it comes to technology. It's just, it's just not my wheelhouse. I, I tell people all day long, like I know how to turn my computer on. I know how to respond to an email and I don't post on social media. <laughs> don't ask me to do anything. Um, but you know, you mentioned AI there. Talk to me a little bit of how, you know, ch- some challenges that you guys have faced as an agency over as, as you guys continue to evolve, but also, you know, some new things you guys are doing with AI. Talk to me a little bit about how the AI world is changing things. You know, this, uh, I'm going to screw this up, the chat GPT or whatever mm-hmm. that's called. I, you know, somebody asked me the other day, what was that? And I was like, I don't even know what that is. So talk to us a little bit about that. Totally. Yeah. I'll start with, uh, some, one of our biggest pivots was over the last, so the pandemic, right? I had 3,500 plus square feet down on Tower Grove Avenue and a very happening part of town. It was a good place to be. And uh, then the pandemic happened and everyone went home for about a year and a half. And uh, because it's difficult for me to work at home, I decided that I would continue to go into the office, especially since I would be the only one there. And for a year and a half, I'm working. I, you know, you have an empty office, 3,500 square feet. You're the only one there. And so it was the towards the tail end of that time when we decided, my brother and I, who's a partner in the business, to um, go virtual, like to go all in on virtual, not just like, you know, half and half or sure. keep like a big footprint. We now have a smaller footprint at a high rise down here in Clayton. But what we decided to do is go virtual. And so what that meant is we began to advertise openings, job openings across the country. And we started looking for the best talent for that position with no borders, right? And so that's what we're doing now. We have employees in Pennsylvania, Florida, Montana. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy uh, because we committed to do it that way. So that's been one of the biggest changes, I think, recently. But switching gears to AI... I do feel like this is, um, I, I feel like there's a gold rush happening. So I'm a little too young to have been a part of the dot-com boom. Yep. Happened shortly, you know, while I was in late high school or in college. But I always thought like later on in life as an agency owner, it's like, man, if I would have just like figured out this agency stuff a few years earlier, you know, it would have been game over. Meaning a lot of the agencies that had just started back then, whether or not they produce good work or not, got bought for, you know, outrageous multiples. And that's because they were there first. Sure. And so I think AI is a very similar space. We're going to see the equivalent of the dot-com boom in AI. And it's not going to happen overnight. If you remember computers in the ni- in the mid-90s, I mean, they were super slow. Websites were horrible. It was very basic. You remember AOL? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. You got mail. <laughs> so that's what you're going to see with AI. I mean, most people who are even aware of it are just using it to write like silly poems or song lyrics or something like that. But it's so much more powerful than that. And like I said, I've been heads down for about six months, just learning all that I can about it. And it's it's pretty, number one, amazing what it can do, but also pretty scary. I have no doubt without you know government intervention that most jobs that you think about that require any sort of knowledge or process will be replaced by AI, you know, in a short time frame. And so yeah. that's why I think there's probably going to be some government intervention. But in the meantime, it's like the people that are dedicating some time to learning about AI, I think it is going to be a gold rush and we're going to see a lot of opportunity come out of it. For us as an agency, it's how do we help companies take advantage of that, whether it be through 
doing things faster, eliminating, you know, man hours to do certain things. Uh, one of my favorite things that I've done recently is car warranties. I had a guy tell me after I sold my car, he was like, if you still have a warranty, you could probably, you know, get a refund. I, I didn't realize that. So I went to read the fine print and I was like, man, this is just so confusing. So I put it into chat GPT, the entire agreement. And I said, tell me as if I were a fifth grader, the exact steps I need to do to get this refund. And it told me exactly what I needed to do, where I needed to mail it. And it's like two, two grand late, you know, I get two grand out of it. So amazing. That's incredible. And that's just simple stuff, right? So pretty cool stuff. Yeah, that's incredible. So I would, I would assume, you know, one of my questions that I was planning on asking you was just kind of talk to you about the the success that the that the agency has, you know, had over the years, continues to have. Um, and I have to assume that the success success that you guys have had as a as a uh, agency is because you're trying to be on the leading uh, the leading edge of changes that are occurring. Um, meaning AI, you know, being kind of what I wouldn't necessarily say a change, but you know, new technology, so to speak, you guys stay pretty on top of that. It sounds like. We do. Um, I wouldn't say that's the reason why we're successful because in the agency world, you have a tendency to go down this, like what's new path. And if you do that, then like you're constantly like introducing, and there are some agencies that are very successful doing this. Uh, We, are more on the, you know, there are certain principles that work in marketing and advertising and sales and the tools change, but the principles remain the same. So rather than like promoting a certain tool set this month and another one next year, we promote the principles and we just figure out ways to do it better and more efficiently. Um, But with that said, I think maybe what sets us apart, if you will, our differentiators are, um, Number one, great relationships. I mean, you can be really good at what you do, but really business is about relationships. So it's about who you know, it's about the doors that you can get in. I think that's super important. Um, And then number two for us, it's just doing the work. And you'd be surprised in my business, how many people out there can talk the talk, but they don't necessarily walk the walk. We opened in Miami before the pandemic and down there, 90% 90% of the population talks the talk, but no one actually does the work when it's time to actually do the work. And so we were able within a couple, three or four years, really establish like a massive presence in Miami just because wow. we became known for actually executing on what we said we were going to do. So I think that's like a key in any business, but it's definitely one of our differentiators in this in this line of work. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even in my business, you know, I'm in the HR outsourcing business. My audience obviously knows that, but you know, our biggest competitors are Fortune 500 companies that have billions and billions in dollars in revenue, and we're not. I mean, we're a we're a locally owned, headquartered in St. Louis HR outsourcing company, uh, but we compete against what I call the big guys all day long and take business from them all day long, just from a sole fact of, to your point, relationship. They trust us and we provide the service we say we're going to provide, right? Whereas some organizations say they're going to do X, Y, and Z. And either they're A, just too darn big to really follow through on X, Y, and Z. Um, or B, they don't have the manpower to to really follow through on X, Y, and Z. And so kind of to your point, 
um, just being able to talk the talk and walk the walk and, and do what you say you're going to do for your clients, um, having that quote unquote trust factor or that relationship when you basically your clients know, hey, we can call Tyler and, and we trust he's going to do the work and do what he says he's going to do. That's extremely important in a small business. There's no doubt about it. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, we talked a little bit about how the business has kind of evolved and changed over the years, but do you see, you know, as we continue to uh, move out of the pandemic era, I guess you could say, and hopefully we're moving out of it and staying out of it for quite some time. You know, you mentioned going virtual uh, to get to the best talent that you guys could possibly get. Uh, ironically, we did the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, believe it or not, there's not a ton of what I would call HR outsourcing talent in St. Louis, Missouri. It's usually in the big areas where it's a much, much more well-known like Florida, Texas, uh, those areas. So we also went basically, now we're more 50-50. We still have a, a, a local office here in St. Louis and we still have, I would say, you know, 50% of our staff here, but we opened the borders and just said, Hey, we'll take the talent from wherever it's at. We can work virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you, so you mentioned that. So as we continue to kind of come out of this pandemic era, and now we're in kind of a, are we going to be in a recession? Are we not going to be in a recession? What's the economy look like? Um, do you see your agency continuing to kind of pivot and, and move and shake however needed to be for to accommodate your clients? And two, with the ability to have all those employees kind of virtually now, are you picking up business in maybe those markets where those employees work because they have friends, families, things like that? Um, I already forgot your first question. So I'll That's go okay. with the second one. <laughs> the business elsewhere. So we, we were very very fortunate that most of our business already was outside of St. Louis. Oh, wow. Okay. And, um, matter of fact, my furthest client from here is in Dubai and wow. uh, they've been a client for about four and a half years. Now, how do and, you find a client uh, on, in Dubai from St. So Louis? We, we are an Upwork partner okay. and Upwork is a place where a lot of international companies will go and look for American help. And you may have heard of Upwork because of the freelancers that you can hire there. But there's also like an agency portal where companies that want to hire agencies can go there. And so that's where we found this com- or this company found us. Oh, we're interesting. It does to bid on their project. And it's it's been great. That's awesome. Um, but also, uh, you know, Canada, lots, lots in, in um, south of the border just because of our relationships, you know, in South Florida. Um, Miami is really, you know, the the um, place where all it's like the New York City for Latin America. Right. So like all the Latin countries or companies once they've made it, like the sign that they've made it is that they're able to establish a U.S. outpost in Miami. And the funny thing about Miami and those companies in general is that they really want to be able to connect with mid-America. And generally the people in Miami aren't the ones who are able to connect with middle America. And so we just were able to get in and um, get in there and and have lots of opportunities because of that. That's awesome. By nature of where we come from. Yeah. So um, what was your first question, Brian? It, my first question was tied into that, was just talking about, you know, the how the business has evolved and changed with the with the staff being, you know, mm-hmm. located across the country. But it sounds like you already have clients all across the world, let alone the country. So I was just trying to understand a little bit more about how you guys obviously uh, have have changed as an agency by having staff spread out. But it sounds like to me, you kind of were already doing business across the country, not just St. Louis anyway. So um, pretty cool. Pretty cool that you guys have that. 
Let's shift gears here a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about leadership. This is obviously a leadership podcast. Um, you know, you being the founder of the organization, co-founder with your brother, it sounds like. Talk to me about your leadership styles. How do you lead the organization? What are the challenges of leading a, a staff that is scattered across the country, you know, virtually? Um, talk to us a little bit about those leadership styles and those traits. Yeah, so I think one of the biggest challenges that companies have who are doing virtual, even remote, is that meaning part-time, is that they really have to figure out how to continue to build and maintain culture when people are all over the place. And so for us, one of the the, the like daily things that we do that's very practical is we have a 2 p.m. Central Standard Time team meeting. It's usually only about five to 10 minutes because it's just that time where everyone can get together and talk about any challenges or issues they're facing as a group, right? So some companies might do that in the morning. We do that at the end of the day, every day, generally. Two o'clock is good for the time zones that we're in. Sure. Um, and then just building culture, letting your employees know that they're valued. I think we've really increased swag and gifts and just you know sen sending gifts to our employees that aren't necessarily in St. Louis, but then also recognizing and sending gifts to our St. Louis employees too, because at the end of the day, I'm the only one in this office right now. Uh, we have a, a space next door, like another office suite where people can work, but guess what? They don't. Yeah. I might see people once or twice a week in person, the ones that are in St. Louis. And, but, but most of the time we're coming in at different times. Um, so culture, I think is the biggest thing right now sure. in terms of the challenges that we face in regards to leadership, I think, and, e and EO has really taught me this as well, but I think that for me and my leadership style, I really needed to learn to let go of certain things, meaning, and by let go, what I mean is, to trust other people to get them done. Because I, one of the challenges that entrepreneurs have, people that have their hands in every aspect of their businesses, is that they want to remain involved in every aspect of the business. And I did that for several years. Um, and it, everything turned out perfect, right? Except for we weren't able to scale. And yeah. so the, the quality work was super high and all these types of things. But as soon as I stepped back, what I noticed, what I realized is that the quality work was just as high, if not higher, actually, because I wasn't in, my fingers weren't in all of it. And I was able to get more done on my side of the business, which my side is outward facing. It's developing strategy for clients, developing strategy for the, for the agency itself, marketing and promoting us to the outside world. Uh, speaking at conferences, all that good stuff. So I wouldn't have been able to do all that and advance the agency and the business forward without learning how to delegate and trust the people that I've hired to do what they're best at. Yeah. Well, I hear it all the time on this podcast is working on the business and necessarily in the business. And I don't know if that's necessarily an EO saying or, or, or not, but um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to be able to get out from the day to day so you can work on growing the organization and, and trusting in your employees to, you know, kind of lead the day to day operations of the company. You mentioned EO, which obviously I've had many, many guests on this uh, podcast that are in EO. Um, talk to me about EO. When did you join and how has it really impacted the business overall? Yeah. So, um, I joined shortly after, like, right when everything was getting ready to open up back up again, uh, early 21. 
Got it. And so I think I'm entering my third year because the EO year starts in June, July. And um, it was on my radar radar for a long time. And it was just something that I either didn't have the time for, or I just didn't want to spend the money on because, you know, it's not, it's not like $200 a month. It's a pretty significant investment, especially in year one. And I can say, looking back on it, I shouldn't have waited, you know, but I did. And, but I just didn't see the value at the time sure, or, or didn't think that I had the time. But the funny thing is when you don't think you have time, if you, and it doesn't have to be EO, EO it can be anything, just dedicate your time to something else and you'll always discover more time. That's the interesting yeah. part about it. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it's been, it's been a godsend for me. Number one, like just being able to connect with like-minded people people that generally have already had many of the challenges that I'm facing today. And so I'm able to, to learn from their experiences and perhaps in many cases, shortcut, whatever challenge, you know, I'm facing. Yeah. Um, There's that there's the, just the aspect of the learning possibilities that it provides. There's, they're always bringing in like some top notch, amazing, educator, um, expert, you know, thought leader into a, generally a small group setting. So you're able to not only get the information that you'd get anywhere else, but be able to ask those personal questions behind sure. those. So that's, it's always cool. Um, and then just being, you know, having, you're, you're always just one or two people away from whoever you want to contact in St. Louis because yeah. it's a very connected group. So that that's pretty powerful too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, to your, to your earlier point, um, it's, it's, it's a great organization that, you know, people have had a lot of success with. I think it's, uh, you know, one of those organizations that to your point, they're well, very well connected. People are very well connected here in St. Louis to that organization. But I think the most important thing that you just said that I heard out of there was you wish you had done it sooner. Right. Mm -hmm. So clearly it's, it's helped guide you or or brought some value to you in in maybe even a variety of areas that has impacted kind of your business. And so I think that's kind of the ultimate testimony is just being able to say, Hey, I wish I would have done it sooner because, you know, it's been that powerful to me and and my agency. Um, And I would tell you, you know, for those who are listening to this, Pretty much every person you talk to that's been an EO or a part of EO would pretty much say the same thing, that it's one of those organizations that has really impacted their business um, from just a variety of different areas. 100%. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Well, Tyler, I always end this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice. And that advice could be on business. It could be on personal life. It could really be on anything that you would want to share with the St. Louis audience. So if you could leave us with one piece of advice today, what would it be? Um, you know, I would say that, you know, we always hear set goals, right? And I think where we get caught up in our goal setting or in our visioning is we want to try to figure out the steps. And so my advice is set your goals, see where you're going to end up, wherever that is, create a vision for that, and then just figure out the next step. Like you don't have to have the whole roadmap figured out. Just figure out that next step. Anytime that you take a step towards your vision, your vision takes a step towards you. And then the next day, you'll figure out the next thing to do. So uh, don't get handicapped by trying to figure out the whole journey. Just uh, take it one day at a time with the vision in mind. That's my advice. No, I think it's a great piece of advice. I've talked about this on this show before, but 
when I started this podcast back in June of 2020, I uh, had no clue what I was doing. Um, and I'm not saying I'd still to this day know what I'm doing, but back then I really did not know what I was doing. Uh, I often joke that Lisa Nichols, for those who know Lisa Nichols, who owns Technology Partners in Chesterfield, she was my, I think, second guest. And I accidentally deleted her file after we recorded the whole episode. And I had to I had to be that guy that would call and say, hey, Lisa, I'm so sorry. Can we redo that? Because I didn't know what I was doing. And now... I think Tyler, your episode 104. Uh, we've had over 15,000 people listen to this show. Um, so it's, you know, it, it just to your point, I set a goal, I started doing it, didn't know what I did, and now look where I'm at. So I think that's a great piece of advice. I think, um, I think that's, you know, anybody can take that and do, do a variety of different things with that. So on behalf of myself, as well as uh, the STL Leaders podcast, I appreciate you being a great STL leader. I appreciate you coming on here today and sharing kind of your story with our audience and kind of how you got where you're at today and, and your view and your um, your view on leadership and just appreciate what you're doing for our city. So on behalf of myself and the STL Leaders podcast, thank you. Thank you, Brian. It's been a, It's been great.